بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله الحمد لله وكفى وسلاما على عباده الذين اصطفى اما بعد so we were alhamdulillah discussing uh, the first kitab kitab badil wahi the chapter on revelation imam bukhari rahmatullah alayhi says babun kayfa kana badil wahi ila rasulillah sallallahu alayhi wasallam the chapter on how the divine revelation began upon rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam <coughs> and um, he also quotes an ayah in his chapter heading وَقَوْلِ اللَّهِ جَلَّ ذِكْرُهُ إِنَّا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَيْنْكَ كَمَا أَوْحَيْنَا إِلَى نُوحٍ وَالنَّبِيِّينَ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ so the first question uh, we spoke about we began this discussion just to review a little bit and to inshallah take the discussion further is that uh, why did Imam Bukhari rahimahullah begin his kitab, his book with the discussion of wahi and this is not something which is typical the other books of hadith we have in front of us we find that they began with different chapters if you look at the sunan literature which are the books of hadith arranged according to the chapters of fiqh <coughs> which are like handbooks for fuqaha for scholars of fiqh to derive rulings all the hadith according to the chapters of fiqh so you have Sunan Abu Dawood and Sunan At-Tirmidhi, Sunan Nasa'i these three books they begin their respective works with Kitab tahara so if you open Sunan Abu Dawood the first chapter is Kitab tahara and Sunan At-Tirmidhi it's also Jamia At-Tirmidhi if you open it you will start with Kitab tahara uh, likewise Sunan Nasa'i starts with Kitab tahara and we know that that we have been sent into this world to worship Allah and from the ibadat the afdalul ibadat is salah the first action for which we will have to give an account on the day of judgment and the salah is the key of jannah and tahara is the key of salah salat is miftahul jannah and tahur is miftahul salah that's why they begin with kitab salah in Kitab al-Tahara, followed by Salah, then Sawam Zakat Hajj. Ibn Majah, Sunan Ibn Majah, he, in his book, uh, he does not begin with Tahara, he starts with Bab of Ittiba'u Sunnah. He starts off by talking about the importance of following Sunnah and, and avoiding Bid'ah. So Ibn Majah begins with Ittiba'u Sunnah. And the reason is, it's very evident that um, if we are not going to be following the sunnah of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam and we are going to fall into bid'at and innovations then the deen itself will be destroyed and after the chapter of Itiba'u Sunnah Imam Ibn Majah he mentions the chapter on Manaqib al-Sahaba the virtues of the Sahaba and this is a very important lesson for us too that how did we receive the knowledge of the sunnah? And who are the first recipients of this divine knowledge after the Anbiya alayhim salam it was revealed upon them? Who were the mukhatabin al-awwaleen? The first individuals that were addressed by Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam directly. They were none other than the, the sahaba. They are those who uh, 
learned the deen from Rasulullah and they preserved it and they transmitted it to the rest of the ummah. And that is why As-Sahaba Kulluhum Adul, they are all considered righteous and upright. Uh, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, just like he was selected by Allah, his Sahaba were selected by Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, Inna Allah ikhtarani wa ikhtara li ashaban wa ansaran wa asharan fasayati qawmun yasubunahum wa yastanqisunahum fala tujalisuhum wala tuwakiluhum wala tusharibuhum wala tunakihuhum that inna Allah ikhtarani verily Allah has chosen me and just like he chose me that he was Ahmad al-Mustafa and he was Mushtaba Muhammad al-Mustafa and Ahmad al-Mushtaba wajtabakum he is Mushtaba he was chosen by Allah selected by Allah and he chose for me my sahaba and my companions my helpers and even my ashar my, my in-laws meaning even every wife of Rasulullah was selected by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and then there will be people who will come later on يسبونهم, they will try to na'udhu billah curse them وَيَسْتَنْقِسُونَهُمْ try to find faults in them and in this hadith he gave four prohibitions and he said فَلَاتُ جَالِسُوهُمْ do not sit with, sit with such people do not even sit with them Whenever people are, are, are speaking against our aqaid of deen, sitting in that company itself is wrong. Stay away from that gathering until they change the topic of discussion. If you forget and you continue to just be in the gathering, after you, as soon as you remember, hey, what's going on? What are they talking about? Then immediately get up and leave the gathering. That's why, like, for example, wine, drinking it is, of course, haram, serving it. But there's also a narration that, مَنْ كَانَ يُؤْمِنُ بِاللَّهِ وَالْيَوْمِ الْآخِرِ فَلَا يَجْلِسَنَّا عَلَى مَائِدَةٍ تَدُورُ عَلَيْهَا الْخُمُورُ That whoever believes in Allah and the Rasul should never sit on such a table in which the wine is being served. So this is... If a person is really caught into a situation, he can't get out of it, then there's one hadith that may come to his aid, and that is... That when a sin is committed on the earth, the one who is physically present, but he dislikes it from the bottom of his heart, inshallah, in the eyes of Allah, he'll be counted as he is not there. On the other hand, the one who is not there, but in the bottom of his heart, he loves that sin, he'll be counted as if he was there. So this falls under the al iman level, the lowest level of iman. The well-known hadith, مَنْ رَأَ مِنْكُمْ مُنْكَرًا فَلْيُغَيِّرْهُ بِيَدِهِ Whoever sees a sin committed amongst you should change it with his hand. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ If he cannot do so, فَبِلِسَانِ With his tongue, he should speak out against it. فَإِنْ لَمْ يَسْتَطِعْ If he cannot even do that, فَبِقَلْبِهِ Then he should try to regard it evil in his heart. وَذَلِكَ أَضْعَفُ الْإِيمَانِ This is the lowest level of iman. So the wine is being served. If he cannot get out, then he should at least regard it to be the war, uh, uh, sin in his heart. And if he's just okay with it, that, you know, I, I don't drink, you want to drink, that's fine. Um, and he does not have the hatred of the sin in his heart, and then that will now become problematic. Because uh, abstaining from sin is just like that is important, hating the sin is also important. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala mentions this in Surah Al-Hujurat. حَبَّبَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْإِيمَانَ وَزَيَّنَهُ فِي قُلُوبِكُمْ وَكَرَّهَ إِلَيْكُمُ الْكُفْرَ وَالْفُسُوقَ وَالْعِصِيَانِ 
And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, when he's describing the maqam of the sahaba in, and mentions a favor, he says that he is the one who made iman beloved to you and he beautified your hearts with iman. So having iman, loving iman, loving righteous actions and doing righteous actions, both are matlub, maqsood, objectives. And likewise, abstaining from sin, just like that is important, hatred of sin is important. Karraha ilaykum al-kufra wal-fusuq That you must dislike disobedience of Allah and disbelief of Allah. Disbelief, of course, first kufr and fusuq, disobedience. So it's not sufficient to say, hey, you know, I don't drink. You want to drink, go ahead and drink. That's part of the culture nowadays. Do, you know, live and let live. That's my path, I don't drink. You, you choose to, you can do that. Rather, we have to have the hatred for that sin. Uh, doesn't mean that translates into hatred for the sinner. We should have, uh, you know, deen and nasiha. When nasihatu iradatul khayri lil ghayri. We should have nasiha. Deen is nasiha. Nasiha is to have a well-wishing attitude, wanting best for everyone. So we want to bring the sinner onto the path of guidance. We should have the desire to change him and to bring him onto the right path. So we have mercy for the sinner. We want to bring him on the right path. But um, as long as he is not pushing uh, his agenda and forcing people towards Baltin. Yes? Yeah, so this particular hadith is uh, speaking about wine. Uh, so that is something which is directly mentioned in this text. It's Mansus. But then what could be mustambat or derived from that is that if, some, uh, if something haram is being served in front of you, you should try to avoid it as well. Not, not only avoid being in your plate, but being on your table as far as possible. So, we were talking about um, all the different books of hadith. They start with different chapters. Um, Abu Dawud Tirmidhi Nasseh starts with Tahara. Ibn Majah starts with Itiba Sunnah, followed by Manaqib of Sahaba. Because the Sahaba, they are the ones who got the deen and they transmitted to us. This is where we were talking about the manaqib and virtues of Sahaba. Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, فَلَا تُجَالِسُوهُمْ Those who find faults in the Sahaba, do not even sit with such people. And we talked about sitting in a place where wine is being served, etc. All those ayat. When, uh, when people are making mockery of the deen. وَإِذَا رَأَيْتَ الَّذِينَ يَخُوضُونَ فِي آيَاتِنَا When you see people mocking our ayat, then do not sit with them. Then Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam said, وَلَا تُوَاكِلُوهُمْ Do not eat with such people. وَلَا تُشَارِبُوهُمْ Do not drink with such people. وَلَا تُنَاكِحُوهُمْ Do not marry any one of these people. So when we get married, we have to make sure that they are among those who respect the Sahaba. And لَا تُسُبُّ أَصْحَابَ مُحَمَّدٍ فَلَا مُقَامُ أَحَدِيمْ سَاعَةً خَيْرٌ مِّنْ عَمَلِكُمْ عُمْرَهُ It was narrated, do not say anything bad about the Sahaba, for if any one of them worships Allah for a few moments, it's better than your entire life's worth of ibadah. So the enemies of Islam, starting with the Rawafiz, the Shia, they, they attack the integrity of the Sahaba. And once the integrity of the Sahaba is attacked, then it becomes easy to destroy the whole deen. So that is why Ibn Majah, he, he starts off his book with Ittiba'a Sunnah, followed by Manaqib of Sahaba, virtues of Sahaba. Imam Muslim, if you go to Imam Muslim, he starts his book with the discussion on Isnad. The whole beginning discussion for 
you know, it takes the, just the muqaddama takes pretty much the whole year over here when they're teaching it. <laughs> so uh, the, our respected muhaqiqun ulama, they teach the muqaddama of Sahih Muslim up to like the last few weeks, just the muqaddama, talking about the, the whole isnad. And we talked about, a little bit about it for a few minutes in the first session. Um, if you were here, you were here. And if you weren't, you can listen to the recording. The whole Abdullah ibn Mubarak, rahimullah, what did he say? Al-Isnadu min ad-deen. Al-Isnadu laqala man sha'a ma sha'a. Isnad is part of our deen. And if it, and if, um, if it wasn't for Sanad, then anyone could make up anything and claim that to be the deen. So that is the discussion of Imam Muslim. Imam Malik, rahmatullah, in his muatta, he begins with awqatu uh, salah. Subhanallah. Which is also a shart, just like tahara. Just like tahara is a shart for the validity of salah, likewise the awqat, the time is. In the salah, takanata ala al-mu'minina kitaban manquta. Anyway, so these are the other books from the Sihasitta. What about Bukhari? Bukhari starts with, Subhanallah, uh, he starts with wahi. And how important is wahi? Wahi is the foundation of our deen. Right? Billahi, Allah is the muhi, wa malaikatihi. The wahi came through the malaika. And the wahi came in the form of kutubihi. And who is the muha ilayhim upon whom was the wahi revealed? Wa rasulihi. And what came in that wahi? These are the articles of faith that are in the wahi. So, um, we talked about some of the different types of wahi. And the wahi has been divided into different categories depending on what you're looking at. So you have different divisions. Right? Sometimes when you say, oh, you know, this has three types. And then, you know, the scholars do this. Like we talk about wahi, you'll say, oh, it has five types. Then another scholar comes and looks at it from a different perspective and says that um, there are seven types. Someone comes and says there are three types. So it becomes confusing. So what happens here is that there are different taqsimat, there are different divisions based on different factors. Um, so within each taqsim, each division, you'll have qism. Qism awwal, qism thani, qism thalis. First qism, second. And the relationship of one qism to another qism is they're called qasim of each other. So if you have one taqsim, one division, then each qism is within that division exclusive, separate, individual. And then you have another taqsim, you're looking at something else. You'll have aqsam, you have qisms in there. So the qism of one aqsam, the divisions of one, the and the divisions of another, they can coexist. How is that? For example, like if you take the student body, you'll say, how many different types of students there are? You're looking at one perspective. You're looking at the perspective of, you know, what they're studying. So you'll say, okay, they're category one, they're studying hifd. Category two, they're the maktab after school. Category three, they're doing tanweer one-year program. Category four, they're doing a full alim program. So how many students, how many different types of students there are? There's four, there's four types of students. And that's correct. Uh, and if somebody else comes in and says that, you know, there are only two types of students at Dar Salaam. How is that possible? That's true, because he's looking at, they're either male students or female students. That's also correct and valid. And then, um, somebody will uh, come and say that 
no, there are three, three types of students in Dar es Salaam. There are those who are, you know, 10 below. There's the younger kids in the maktab. And then there are the teenagers from, or the, from 10 to 20. And then we have the adult students like ourselves, like 20 and above. So he's looking at age. Someone look at nationality. So you have all these different uh, aqsam types within the different taqseem. Now what happens is that within one particular division, a student, he cannot be, uh, you know, under 10 and or second category teenager and above 20 at the same time. He's either going to be category 1 or 2 or or 3. Likewise, he's going to be either male or female. Likewise, he's either going to be a hip student or an alim student. But you take the types from first division and the types from the second division, types of the third division, they can coexist. So you can have a male student who is a teenager, 13 years old, who's in the his program. So he is, you know, from the different divisions, you pick him up. He, he could be, you know, from one, one perspective. This happens a lot when we're dividing things up. So for example, we'll say Wahi has, you know, last time we gave a particular division of Wahi. This time I was planning to do a different division. And if you say, wait a second, didn't you say there, there were so many types, but we were looking at something different there. Does that make sense? Huh? Okay. So, for example, we said, first we divided it up, we said, just to review, Bufti Radawul Haqsab, Dawud Barakatum Al-Aliyah, he said, At-Taqseemu Al-Awwal, Al-Wahyu Ala Arba'ati Aqsam. Wahyu has four, four types. Number one, which was the first one? You recall, Al-Wahyu Al-Fitri. Fitri. Fitri is the natural wahi. Allah Ta'ala fi fitrat al-haywan an ya'tiya kadha. Nahwa quli ta'ala wa uha rabbuka ilan nahal. This is the natural wahi Allah Ta'ala gives. He is all of his creation. Like Allah sent the, gave the knowledge to the honeybee. How to uh, travel back and forth from the hive to the plants to collect the pollen. And the second one was al-wahyul. Ijadi. This is how Allah Ta'ala inspires human beings, how to invent things. And number three was Al-Wahyu Al-Irfani. This is for the awliya of Allah. Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala gives them ilham. What is an example of that? وَأَوْحَيْنَا إِلَىٰ أُمِّ مُوسَىٰ Allah sent a ilham in the heart of mother of Musa alayhi salam. What to do with the baby? To throw him in the river when the army of Fir'aun comes. So this is called ilham. There's a one discussion about ilham. If this is an inspiration from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that comes upon his beloved servants, is that a dalil in a hujjah in the sharia or not? So the first opinion which is extremely weak, in fact we would say it's something not to conform with, which the Rawafis and the Shia believe in some of the the Batil firaq from the from the extreme Batiniya, Sufiya, extreme, not the mainstream Sufiya, of course. They believe that if their awliya Allah or from the Shia perspective, whom they consider their Imams, if they receive some ilham, quote unquote ilham, that becomes a part of the deen. Right. So this is a Batil opinion. This is a, uh, the deen is complete. Al-Yawma akmaltu lakum, deenakum. Allah Ta'ala completed the revelation of the Quran upon Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam.
ما تركنا النبي صلى الله عليه وسلم خيرا إلا أرشدنا إليه وما تركنا شرا إلا حذرنا منه نبي صلى الله عليه وسلم did not leave any good but he guided us towards it he did not leave any evil but he warned us against it so the wahi with of Jibreel alayhi salam is now terminated with Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam when Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam passed away um, Abu Bakr radiallahu anhu told Umar radiallahu anhu let us go visit Umma Ayman radiallahu anha so we spoke about this a few sessions earlier about Fadila Juz'iyah and Fadila Kulliyah to have a unique uh, individual virtue versus overall virtue so she had a unique individual virtue that she's the only one who did khidmah of Rasulullah to such an extent some like Abu Huraira did khidmah of Rasulullah for about two and a half years he was in Sufa and you have Anas bin Malik he did khidmah of Rasulullah for ten years after Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Hijrah to Madinah Manawara, his mother Umm Salim radiyallahu anha presented him in the, khidm- in the service of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Ya Rasulullah, accept my boy to be your khadim. فقدمت رسول الله صلى الله عليه He was the most kind master. I served him for ten years. Anas bin Malik says he never said to me why you did this, why you didn't do that. But Subhanallah. This Umm Ayman radiallahu anha, she has a virtue that she did khidmah of Rasulullah in how much? 63 years. Wait, is it 63 years? Yeah, 63 years. Because she was there and around when he was born. He was a slave girl, young slave girl of his mother, Amina, bintu Wahabat, alayhi salam. And, uh, I mean, she was there around from when he was born. Even the sad occasion when he was six years of age and he was coming back from Yathrib, which was prior to Hijrah, Madina to Nabi, Madina to Rasul, was known as Yathrib. And when he was coming back, his father, of course, Abdullah, had passed away before he was born, when his mother was pregnant. And then when he was coming back from Yathrib, when he had gone to visit his mother's relatives, and halfway in the middle in Maqam Abwa, when his mother passed away. So who carried him to Makkah? So Umm Ayman So Rasulullah loved her very much like a, and she was like a motherly figure and Nabi used to go and visit her often and as a motherly figure or as a khala or an aunt figure how sometimes out of love and shafaqah they uh, scold their nephew so she used to sometimes tell, tell Nabi you don't, you're not taking care of yourself you need to eat well, you need to sleep well you need to take care of yourself and she had the right to. Who else could be scolding Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi in that manner? Scolding with love. So, Abu Bakr told Umar that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam used to go and visit her. Just like a person goes to visit his khala. Al-khala to bi um khala. Her level is like that of a mother, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said. Or how you should visit your parents. So now Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam has passed away. He's not there to go visit her. So let us go and visit her. So they went to visit her, and when they went to visit her, uh, she started crying. She started crying profusely, profusely, so much. So Abu Bakr anhu tried to console her, and he said that, Oh, Ma'iman, uh, we understand that you are very sad about the departure of Rasulullah, but we want to remind you and assure you and assure ourselves as well that, inshallah, he is in a much 
better place. And he is enjoying the blessings of Jannah. And he has been freed from the difficult test of this world. So then she, while she was sobbing and crying, she lashed out at them. She said, why, tell me, you know, why are you saying all this stuff? You think I don't know that? Of course I know what you're that. You didn't even ask me why I'm crying. Obviously I know that he's gone to a better place. You just assumed I'm crying about that. Why don't you first ask me why I'm crying? They said, okay, so what happened? So then she said, I'm crying that from the time of Adam salam and then Nuh salam, there was this Mubarak, very blessed silsila in chain of Jibreel bringing wahi and revelation down to this earth. And there was an open line of communication between Allah and His creation on this earth. But now, till the end of time, Jibreel will never descend with any more wahi. Because wahi has come to a conclusion. Is he going to ever come back with wahi on anyone? Never. In case you're wondering why I went off on this tangent about Ummah Iman. Now you understand. So, when you're talking about ilham, is, is that from Jibreel Can someone say, oh, Jibreel came to me and informed me thus? No. Right? Jibreel that Mubarak has come to a conclusion. So when she said that, what happened? They came to console her, but what happened? Both of them started crying. Abu Bakr and Umar they also began to cry. So, if someone says they have ilham, that first opinion was that, hey, this is a hujja fil ahkam, this is inda rawafid. In fact, majority of their deen is based on all of these false dreams of people. Uh, and number two is some individuals, Imam Sahabardi, Razi, etc., they had this opinion that only for the sahib al ilham, for the one who received that inspiration, it is a hujja and a dalil that he must follow, but not for the rest of the ummah. This is, the first ba- opinion was a batil, false opinion. This second opinion is a weak opinion. The only reason they're saying this is, could be in certain circumstances, with certain quyud and shurut and conditions. For example, there's a hadith of Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, Abu Hurairah in the race in Tirmidhi, so this is a hadith that is marfu'ah. The Nabi Sallallahu himself said that whoever sees me in a dream has truly seen me. In me only. Because shaitan cannot come in my shape. So if someone sees Rasulullah Sallallahu in his dream and he knows and he's sure because he has that feeling that this is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam instructing him something now, but it is a dream, right? So if, if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is instructing him something which is muwafiq of sharia, in accordance with the sharia, then he should do that. And if Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is prohibiting him from things which are haram, then it's a further reminder that he should abstain from that. So there are so many exam- examples of that in my own sinful life. I have students and people I know have come with different examples of seeing Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in their dreams and different things they have narrated. One student in his class, he, he, he came with his father and he said that he had a dream uh, that he called his other uh, friend who was also a hit student of ours uh, and they, they both gathered in the basement and they said, okay, let's take out our video game. 
uh, to play some video games. So they were connecting it to the TV, to the screen, and they were setting it up. And then all of a sudden, their hearts, in, the, in his dream, his heart was overcome by the presence of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. So he looked up at the door, and Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam came in. And he knew in his heart, this young boy, that this is Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And he, his, his beard was full, covered halfway to his chest, and he's wearing a white turban and his white clothes. And he came up to him, and, he, and he, with his hand, he indicated, no, 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 put this away. So, you know, you don't have to open up uh, Ibn Sirin's Ta'abir Ru'ya for this one. So, uh, and, you know, so these, these are, there are so many stories like this. So now for this person, what are you going to say? Hey, uh, maybe, is it haram or not haram? You know, we can leave the muftis to answer that. But for you, what do you think? It's not a good idea, right? If you, because if someone says, if he says, no, maybe shaitan came in that shape. No, he isn't. Because Abu Hurairah narrates in Tribunity, فَإِنَّ الشَّيْطَانَ لَا يَتَمَثَّلُ Shaitan does not come in my form. So, uh, now he's telling me, I can't play video games. I said, I mean, you're the one telling me the dream. Why you came and told me the dream? Uh, so if, 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 so for maybe it's permissible or, or not permissible we can look into that later but for you Allah Ta'ala has selected you and for a very noble purpose and you have you know great things to achieve in life so even if it's mabah then it's, it's a waste of your time you have better things and greater things to do so um, that's one category then we have People who come with the dreams of Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam for uh, as um, different prophecies. That's happening a lot. And then we have those who are going through different trials. This is another thing I've seen where people are going through very very difficult trials in their life, and then Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam comes to console them. But <clears throat> of course, this is when it is in accordance with the Sharia. If it's khilaf of Sharia, some like Sheikh Abdul Qadir Jilani. Rahimahullah. He was traveling with his disciples and they heard an unseen voice from the clouds that Ya Abdul Qadir, you have continued to progress in suluk ilallah, traveling towards Allah, the maqamat of ihsan, that you have now reached such a level where you are exempted from performing salah. So some of his followers, they got so excited, wow, yeah, our Shaykh is so great, you know, the fan club, they said that he is now exempted from ibadah. If he wishes to perform salah, he can, but he doesn't have to. So then he told them, all of them, لا حول ولا قوة إلا بالله. This is Iblis, or Shaitan. He's trying to misguide you and I, all of us. No one is exempted from ibadah, from the faraid. Even Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam till the end. He to perform salah. You know, how could I be exempted from salah? How could anyone be? So then they said, subhanallah, it's true. Then there was a unseen voice from the cloud came. Ya Abdul Qadir, today your ilm has saved you. So they started ex- getting excited, jumping up and down a second time. They said, wow. Iblis, you know, they say he has a lot of ilm, mu'allim al-balaika. Even he certified that our shaykh has so much ilm. So he has so much ilm. Our shaykh, you know, if they say like testimonials, oh, wow, he's a great shaykh, he has a lot of knowledge. So in the testimony of Iblis, he said that he has a lot of knowledge.
So then he told all of his disciples, La hawla wa la quwwata illa billah. This is what? Another attack of shaitan. How is it an attack of shaitan? It's a more subtle attack than the first one. How is it? It's because my knowledge did not save me. Allah is the one who saved me. So if I start thinking, oh, my knowledge saved me, then this is straight up kibr, arrogance. My knowledge did not save me. Allah is the one who saved me. So I, I hopefully at that point they stop jumping up and down. <laughs> so if you if if there if there is some type of ilham which is khilaf of sharia, so-called ilham, then that's not that's not going to be a hujja. Otherwise, it's a hujja for that individual. The third opinion is laysa hujjatan ala ahadin. If anyone has any ilham, it's not a hujja on anyone, not upon himself nor upon anyone else. The hujja in the the dalil, the proof and evidence is what the, the sharia. Whether it's Kitabullah, the Sunnah of Rasulullah, the Ijma, consensus of the Ummah, or analogy on the above, the Qiyas. That's what the Hajjah is, not Ilham. So we were doing the different types of Wahi, and we said that these are, this was uh, Wahi number three, which was that? Ilham. And Wahi number four is that upon the Anbiya alayhim The Wahi that is revealed upon the Prophets of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And if you recall, I had uh, just translated the ayah at the end and I said we will continue from here. So let's go to the ayah wherein Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala um, He speaks about the different forms of revelation. Okay, here it is. Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Ba'adhan a'udhu rajim Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim Wa ma kana li basharin an yukallimahullah it is not possible for a human being that Allah communicates with him illa wahyan number one is wahi it's translated here except through inspiration number two hijabin, or from behind the veil or or he sends a messenger angel to reveal فَيُوحِي بِإِذْنِهِ to reveal whatever he wills by his permission, Mayasha, Innahu Ali bin Hakim, he is truly most high, all wise. So, in this ayah, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he mentions a few key words, and under these key words, there are different types that are included. It's not possible for a human being that Allah speaks to him, illa wahiyan. Now, I was giving the notes of our Ustad on this ayah. ذكرت الآية الكريمة ثلاثة أقسام من الوحي وكان وكل واحد منها على قسمين. So he says there are three words here, and each of these three words there are two types each. So three times two is six. First one is إلا وحين word number one. Number two وراء حجاب behind a curtain. And number three, Yurusila Rasulullah, he sends a messenger. Okay, in English here, you have inspiration, one, behind a veil, two, by sending a messenger angel, three. Each one of these three is times two. Number one, illa wahyan. Hadmutisab says, in this one, al hawas kulluha, all of the physical senses are completely not being used, it's beyond that. It's beyond the physical senses. 
meaning it's not something a per, he, uh, the recipient is using his eyes to see or his ears to hear or not, definitely not something he's smelling or tasting or touching it's going straight into the heart it's going straight into the heart this wahi and yani, there's no alfaz masmu' no words that he's listening to with the ears rather the inspiration is coming straight into the heart talaqi al-qalb it goes straight into the heart this can happen in two scenarios either while awake or in sleep so we will find a hadith that talk about all of these things but we, will, we just want to see here how they are present within this ayah so this directly revelation coming into the heart without any words directly the meaning is coming in the heart actually when we are communicating as well what is communication? Communication is transfer of meanings from the speaker to the listener or from the writer to the reader. So you commu- that there's a meaning in my heart and mind, I'm communicating that meaning to you. But I don't have the ability to directly transfer like through Bluetooth or something. From my heart, the meaning goes straight into your heart. Or, you know, any of the other modes of communication nowadays in technology. So I have to use a certain medium the medium I use is words. The purpose of the words is just to convey the meanings to you. But the maqsood is the meanings. The objective are the meanings. So, المعاني, the words, they indicate the meanings. The meanings are the objective. So I have a thought in my mind. So I come up with words to convey that thought. Then what happens? The words, you know, through my vocal cords, the sounds come out and then it turns in, it's articulated into words by the tongue and the lips through the maharaj and then it goes into your ear right and when it goes into your ear through your eardrum it goes and then your brain what does it do interpret those words and understands the meanings so in my heart in my mind there was a meaning in your brain there's a meaning that's the objective and the words are what just a currency of just like for example if uh, somebody's talking on a phone you have uh, you have engineers sitting here so what happens you have the voice then the phone, what does it do? Transmit, changes it into electrical impulses that go to the receivers then. That the receiver, it takes the electrical impulses, turns it back into sound. So likewise, over here, wahyan is that directly from Allah, the thought is going into the heart of Rasulullah Directly. And this does not have any uh, any angel, no angel. Any sound, no sound. Subhanallah. And when this is happening, when he is awake, fil this is uh, very hard upon Rasulullah and this is uh, the hadith that's going to come in this chapter as well. You want to see the hadith right now? We can look at it. It says, uh, right here. أَحْيَانًا يَأْتِينِي مِثْلَ صَلْصَلَةِ الْجَرَسِ وَهُوَ أَشَدُّهُ عَلَيَّ فَيُصْفُ عَنِّي وَقَدْ وَعَيْتُ عَنْهُ مَا قَالِ Sometimes this wahi revelation 
is like a ringing of a bell. This form of inspiration is the hardest of all. And then this state passes off after I have grasped what is inspired. So there's no words here. Those who are around, it's just a ringing sound. But then when you have a ringing sound, uh, and then the Nabi sallallahu reciting the ayat, so the ringing sound is not the ayat. It's not that Allah Ta'ala is saying, Iqra bismi rabbika, like in that example that's coming later with the angels. Over there, the angel, Jibreel alayhi what did he say? He said, Iqra. So that's easier. When there's an angel reciting the words, the angel either come in a human form or in the original form. That's coming later. But when, you ha- when there is a medium to convey it, that's easier. When the angel comes. There's words to listen to. But in this case, it's just a ringing sound. And all of a sudden, the, the, those alfaz are imprinted in the heart of Rasulullah Nabi Wasallam, who is receiving this on his noble heart, he says, It is the most difficult form. And, and you see further on here, it comes on that Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he would be sweating Profusely, even in the most cold day. Yes, right here. وَلَقَدْ رَأَيْتُ يَنْزِلُ عَلِيهِ الْوَحْيُ فِي الْيَوْمِ الشَّدِيدِ الْبَرْضِ فَيَفْصِمُ عَنْهُ وَإِنَّ جَابِينَهُ لَا يَتَفَصَّدُ عَرَقًا I saw Nabi Sallallahu being inspired divinely in a very cold day. He noticed a sweat dropping from his forehead. So, this is direct. Is it clear now what I'm talking about? No words. Directly in his heart. So this is, uh, this can happen when he's awake, this can also happen when he's asleep. When he's asleep, he'll mention in the hadith as well, that uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly put this in my heart when I was asleep. So these are the two types under illa wahyan. Okay. Then we have number two, min wara'i hijabin. Min wara'i hijabin, here he says, now over here, first one, all the physical senses are not involved, it was only directly the heart. In this second one, the eyes cannot see, because it's behind the veil. However, the eyes do not have anyone to see, anyone to look at. However, now he can hear with his ears. He hears with his ears. When he's behind the curtain, he actually hears a sound. Again, this is two types. Number one, in the, in, up in the heavens. And number two is on the earth. How is it? He is directly speaking to Allah and he can hear. He can hear Allah speaking to him here. He hears the words. This happened, in Laylatul Mi'raj. Allahu Akbar. So in Laylatul Mi'raj, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala spoke to him in such a manner that he could hear Allah directly speaking to him. فَأَوْحَى إِلَىٰ عَبْدِهِ مَا أَوْحَى In Surah Al-Najm, Allah ta'ala spoke about this. So this is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala directly speaking to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam with a sawt, with such a voice, كَمَا يَلِيقُ بِجَلَالِهِ as befits Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. He hears it. Uh, and on the earth as well. well. How did it happen on the earth? The example of that is وَكَلَّمُ اللَّهُ مُوسَى تَكْلِيمًا Like Allah Ta'ala spoke to Musa alayhi salam on Mount Tur. 
ala jabal at-tur so that is why musa alayhi salam is known as kalimullah the one who spoke to allah if somebody wonders why is musa alayhi salam singled out as kalimullah the one who spoke to allah what about all the other anbiya didn't they speak to allah this specific type of communication which is right here min wara'i hijabin when allah is speaking directly without an angel in between without an angel direct communication without jibril alayhi salam no angel there this was only for musa alayhi salam kalimullah from the rest of the anbiya and nabi sallallahu alayhi salam do you think he would be missing out on this honor absolutely not of course he already, he had that honor but besides nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam had this honor in miraj the rest of the anbiya alayhi salam they did not have this specific form of wahi musa alayhi salam was granted that that is why allah subhanahu wa ta'ala granted him this title wa kallamallahu musa taklima he was the kalimullah the one who spoke to allah and then number 3 is aw yursila rasulan or he sends a messenger now in this messenger messenger situation ta'amalu fi al-hawas kulluha fatasma'u al-udhn wa tabsuru al-'ayn in here all of the body parts are involved so it's easier the eyes can see the messenger the ears can hear what the messenger is saying now what did we say each one of the three has two so this one also have two what is it wa huwa ala qismain al-awwal an yura ar-rasul fi asli suratihi kama jaa jibril maratin fi surati al-asliya rasulullah sallallahu alayhi one the first scenario here is that the messenger comes in his original form and this happened with jibril alayhi salam how many times only two times those two times are mentioned in the hadith you will cover them inshallah like when he <clears throat> filled the whole sky from the east to the west the 600 wings he could see jibril alayhi salam filling the entire horizon it's not a normal occurrence it happened only two times over 23 years where he sees jibril alayhi salam in his full original shape that scenario one of yursila rasulan scenario two is yati fi surati al-bashar he comes in the form of a human being the angel comes in the form of human being this is now the easiest form it's like the, the closest to our normal communication as human beings we're talking to each other kama kana jibril yati an-nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam ala surati dih al-kalbi fi al-ghalib just like how Nabi, uh, Jibreel alayhi salam used to come to Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam in the form of the very handsome beautiful sahabi Dihya al-Kalbi so just like it's easy to chat have a nice chat with Dihya al-Kalbi radiyallahu anhu or with any human being it was easy for Rasulullah sallallahu when Jibreel alayhi salam would come in his shape and he would send the revelation bring the revelation from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala So there was a lot that we talked about. So let's recap it. Allah Taala says here, "Illa wahiyan," direct inspiration. This can happen when, in while awake or asleep. Min wara'i hijabin when Allah is speaking directly. Okay, this Allah is communicating directly. It's not going straight into the heart, but rather Allah is speaking. He can hear the kalam. Who can hear? The Nabi can hear. This is Rasulullah and Musa Alaihissalam. This can happen in two scenarios: in Miraj in the sky. or on the mountain and tour in the earth number 3 he sends a messenger the messenger will come in original form or form of human being there's your 3 times 
So this is, this, I think this is uh, enough detail. But I had some other different divisions. Remember I talked about multiple divisions? But I think this division, inshallah, yakfina for now, um, is sufficient for us. Now let's go back and see what else uh, Imam Bukhari had to say. When Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi last few points we want to conclude by nine o'clock, inshallah, a few minutes, is after he quotes this, he says, uh, He quotes an ayah. So Imam Bukhari, rahmatullahi whenever he has a chapter heading, he not only brings a hadith, many times he also brings an ayah regarding that topic. So over here. He quotes an ayah. Inna awhayna ilayka. Verily, we have revealed the Quran upon you, on Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. Did not translate it here. Oh, okay. But this is the translation here. Inna awhayna ilayka. Verily, we have revealed the Quran upon you. Kama awhayna. Just like we have sent the wahi in revelation. Ila nuhin to Nuh alayhi salam. Wa nabiyina min ba'di. And all the prophets after him. Right? So this is an ayah that. Uh, Imam Bukhari rahmatullah is quoting under this chapter so what is the shanul sabab al-nuzul how did this ayah come why was this ayah revealed the reason this ayah was revealed is because the Yehud in the time of Nabi sallallahu alayhi wasallam every single day they would come up with a new excuse why to disbelieve in the Quran I talked about this before, right? Different excuses. Perhaps I did, perhaps I didn't. But in any case, they have a lot of different excuses. So one day they came up with the excuse. They said that, look, what's going on here? That sometimes, you know, you say this wahi came. The next day, this wahi. Next day, this wahi. You come up with different revelation. Why don't you have the whole Quran one shot? Just like Musa alayhi salam, he went up to Tur and he came down with the whole Torah. And he said, hey, this is it. So you keep on coming up with different ayat. This was their objection. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says that فَرَقْنَاهُ This is كَذَلِكَ فَرَقْنَاهُ لِتَقْرَأُهُ عَلَى النَّاسِ عَلَى مُكْثٍ وَنَزَّلْنَاهُ تَنزِيلًا This is the tanzil of the Qur'an, how it has been revealed over time. So that there are multiple benefits in it. Uh, as the ummah is prepared, getting prepared, their iman is developing, based on their situation, the ahkam are coming. Right? The injunctions are coming. And... Likewise, as Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi is facing challenges and difficulties and hardships and opposition, as he needs uh, Allah Ta'ala is also giving him consolation. Whenever he faces a new challenge, Allah is consoling him. So there's so much benefit in the Qur'an coming in piecemeal, slowly over time. So Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala revealed this ayah that look, this is not the first time. Look at the history. Verily we have sent this wahi upon you In this manner Just like we had sent to Nuh He also received it The Tsuhufi Ibrahim Was like that Nuh wahi was like that They also received wahi Not all, only one shot That is one way it has happened With respect to Torah Your tradition of Musa Bani Israel You know, you, you know that But Um that's not always the case. It's not necessary that it always has to be like that. This is the reason this ayah was mentioned. 
One question that comes here is that why is Nuh specified here? We have sent the wahi upon you, kama uhina, just like we sent to Nuh. The reason Nuh is mentioned here is that he is the first Rasul. There are different opinions about this, but this is one strong opinion that he is the first Rasul. Adam salam, somebody will say, hey, wasn't he a Rasul? He was a Nabi of Allah. But the first Rasul is Nuh. In, in case you came across something else, you read something else, that's true as well. There are multiple opinions as I'm already saying. First of all, what is a Nabi and a Rasul? What's the difference? Or is there a difference? One opinion is there is no difference. But the stronger opinion, there is a difference. And the reason there is a difference is, um, uh, Allah Ta'ala says that, That's another whole discussion. But over here, Allah Ta'ala mentions Rasul separately and Nabi separately. So they are two distinct uh, maqams and positions in the court of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There's a maqam of nubuwa, there's a position of who is a nabi, and there's a position of who is a rasul. If you just look at the literal meaning, it's interesting that both of the words are used in English. You know, you might hear like messengers, messengers sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and you might hear the word prophet. So if you pick up like different sirah books in English, you might have the life of the prophet. Or the final messenger. You ever heard both words? We've heard both words. So, what's a messenger is the one who brings a message. So, risala is a message. Risala is a message. So, Rasul is the one who brings a message. So, the actual correct translation of Rasul in English would be messenger. And Nabun is a prophecy. Nabun is a news about the future, a prophecy. Like, يتساءلون, about what are they debating about, asking about? Anin? Naba il Regarding the huge prophecy. Which prophecy? The day of judgment. Is it going to happen? When is it going to happen? Anin naba il mukhtalifun. Some of they have different opinion. They're wondering, is it going to happen or is it not going to happen? Is it true or not true? Anin naba il mukhtalifun. Don't worry, they're going to find out. When it happens, they're not going to have any doubt left. When the trumpet is blown, there will be no doubt. Okay. So, Naba is a news of the future. Like regarding the Quran, it is mentioned that It has the the Quran has accurate historical records of far-off nations of the past, and it has accurate predictions of the future, and it has injunctions for the present. So past, present, future. So Nabun is the news of the future. So the one who brings the prophecies regarding the future. Oh, Qiyamah is going to come. Jannah is going to come. Jahannam is going to come. This is what's going to happen. So the one who brings the prophecies is the Prophet. So the translation of Nabi would be Prophet. The translation of uh, Rasul would be Messenger. From the dictionary perspective. That's the literal. But what is the maqam of a... Okay, so what's the difference? One is a prophet, one's a messenger. Okay, one brings a prophecy, one brings the message from Allah. But did we still understand the difference in their role and position? And Not really. That's next step beyond that. Because we just did the ma'ana al-lughubi, we haven't done the ma'ana al the terminological meaning. What we do know for sure 
from the hadith of Rasulullah is that the maqam of the Rasul is higher than that of the Nabi. Nabi is the base level and then from the Anbiya there are certain ones who are selected, they are Rasuls. How do we know that? Because we see that in the hadith where in Muslim Ahmad, Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu asked, Qultu ya Rasulullah kamil anbiya'u. So Abu Dhar radiallahu anhu asked Rasulullah how many anbiya are there? Anbiya plural of Nabi. How many prophets are there? Qala mi'atu alfin wa arba'atun wa ishroon alfan. He said 124,000. 124,000 anbiya. How many of those 124,000 anbiya actually reached the level to become rasuls? So rasul is now higher level. Qala thalathu mi'atin wa thalathu He said 313. So 124,000 Anbiya and from the 124,000 Anbiya 313 Rasuls. So what do we learn? Rasul are few and higher level. Now what makes them higher level? This part is established from the Hadith. Now from here the scholars deriving it. So some of them said okay, the one who receives a specific book that would be a Rasul. That's one, one way. Number two is that if he has a specific Sharia, he's a Rasul. And number three is, you know, there, there became a problem because sometimes in the Quran we have وَذْكُرْ فِي الْكِتَابِ إِسْمَعِيلِ إِنَّهُ كَانَ صَادِقَ الْوَعْدِ وَكَانَ رَسُولَ النَّبِيَا Ismail alayhi salam is identified as a Rasul. Did he have his own Wahi? No. He had the Suhaf of Ibrahim, his father's books. Did he have a new Sharia? No, he had the same Sharia as his father. But he's a Rasul. So that's why the third condition is specific qawm, own people he was sent to. He was sent to the people of Makkah, qawm of Jurhum. The Jurhum, I mean, you say, hey, qawm of Makkah, I thought no one lives there. Exactly, no one originally lived there. The qawm of Jurhum was a tribe from Yemen in the south. They were passing by, and for the first time they saw some birds. They said, wait a second, there's no water here in this valley of Makkah. So why are there any birds? Then they wanted to go find out. So they went inside and they found a mother and a baby. And the water they found was Zamzam. Right. So that was the Qum al-Jurham. Then they ended up stopping there, settling down. So then he got married in the Qum al-Jurham and that's how, you know, the Arab nation was formed. In short, long story in brief. So, so then, uh, yeah, so Ismail was sent to them. Likewise, Allah Ta'ala says, وَلَقَدْ جَاءَكُمْ يُوسُفُ مِنْ قَبْلِ بِالْبَيِّنَاتِ فَمَا زِلْتُمْ فِي شَكٍّ مِمَّا جَاءَكُمْ بِي حَتَّى إِذَا هَلَكَ قُلْتُمْ لَنْ يَبْعَثُ اللَّهُ مِنْ بَعْدِهِ رَسُولًا so Yusuf is a Rasul. But he had the Sharia of who? His father Yaqub. And he had the book of his forefathers. And he, but he had what? New nation. Because Yaqub salam was sent to Sham, with the Maqdis area, Kanaan. And Yusuf salam was sent to Egypt. He had his own nation. So that's why if they have a new book, or they have a new Sharia, or they have a new Qom, something unique, then they are Rasul. And if they don't have any, any of the above, meaning, like uh, Allah Ta'ala sends reminders and, these, uh, and, and individuals to remind the people, they are anbiya. Sometimes they don't have a new sharia, they don't have a new qom, in the same qom, they're just coming to remind the people. At one given moment, they could be two, sometimes three, in, a, in a one town, anbiya of Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala. 
particularly in the Bani Israel, Allah Ta'ala sent many, many Anbiya. Allah Ta'ala sent three Anbiya prophets in one town. He mentions in Surah Yasin. One town, Allah Ta'ala sent three, three Anbiya. So these Anbiya, they're coming to remind. But one, what makes them a Nabi? They have wahi from Allah Ta'ala. They do have wahi. They're not just righteous, pious people, da'is. But they receive wahi. So that is the difference between the Nabi. Now, if you look at the numbers, there's obviously something should have struck a bell. There's a very interesting pattern. You have 124,000 Anbiya. From the 124,000 Anbiya, you have 313 Rasul. From the 313 Rasul. So this is like if you have a pyramid structure. The bottom is 124,000 Anbiya. That's a great bottom and then you come up, you have 313 Rasul. Then you come further up, from the 313 Rasul, تِلْكَ الرَّسُولُ بَعْضَهُمْ عَلَىٰ بَعْضَ From the Rasul, they're not the same category. Some of them are higher level than the other Rasul. So what are higher? From these 313, the next is Ulul Azam مِنَ Rasul. There's a particular maqam known as Ulul Azam. Those who had determination, real determination. Fasbir, Allah Ta'ala tells Nabi Sallallahu you persevere. Kama sabara ulul azam min rusul Like the ulul azam prophets had perseverance. Don't be hasty in seeking uh, um, results. So who are the ulul azam rusul? There are four. Nuh alayhi salam, Najihullah, who was saved by Allah from the flood. Ibrahim alayhi salam, Khalilullah, the friend of Allah. Musa alayhi salam, Kalimullah, who spoke to Allah. And Isa alayhi salam, ruhullah, whose ruh, uh, the, his ruh, meaning Isa alayhi salam's ruh, was directly infused into Maryam alayhi salam, without the medium of a father. Ruhullah doesn't mean he's the ruh of God. Right? This is, this, idafa is tashrifi. This is, this attribution, ruhullah, is just like the Kaaba, he says, baytullah. Does that mean Allah lives in the Kaaba? Na'udhu billah. The house of Allah means, it's a house dedicated for Allah. Like the ruh of Isa alayhi salam, was directly inspired by Allah into Maryam So these four are Ulul Azam Rasul. Is that the top of the pyramid? No. There's one peak left. And who rules these four and better than all the four? Muhammad Rasulullah Habibullah. He's the pinnacle of this pyramid. So this, there's another parallel pyramid that in, in Hajj al-Wada'a, the final Hajj, how many Sahaba were with Rasulullah 124,000. From the 124,000 Sahaba, you go up, higher level maqam, Allah has looked upon you, O Ashab Badr. You are free, whatever you do, Jannah is wajib upon you. How many were Ashab Badr? 313. Then you go further up, from the 313, you have four Ulul Azam. Over here you have Khulafa Rashidun. The mountain of Uhud started shaking. Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam pushed his foot down, stamped his foot and said, you know, stop, O Uhud. فَإِنَّمَا عَلَيْكَ نَبِيٌّ وَصِدِّيقٌ Right? وَشَهِيدَانٌ There's a Nabi upon you. There's a Siddiq Abu Bakr. There's a Shuhada. Who are the Shuhada? Umar and Uthman. Then Ali. There's so many hadith about the four. اِتَّبَعَ سُنَّةِ وَسُنَّةِ وَخَلَفَاءَ الرَّاشِدِينَ الْمَهْدِينَ So they are the four. Abu Bakr, Umar, Uthman, Ali. Their maqam is higher than the Ashab al-Badr. 
Usman al was also Badri, Hukman. Anyway, then you have who's, who's the master of these four? Rasulullah Sallallahu You'll say, wait, every, you have 124,000 Anbiya, 124,000 Sahaba. Four, four, uh, 313 Rasul, 313 Badriyin. Then you have four Ulul Azam Rasuls, you have four Khulafa Rashid one. But the peak, everything is matching, but the peak is the same. Why? Because there can only be one top. Top of everything. Any pyramid structure you make, who's going to be on the top? Rasulullah You can't have any other top. From the khalq, from the creation. Allah Ta'ala is the khalq. He's in a different category altogether. There's no category. None of the creation is like unto him. But when you're talking about creation, any pyramid structure of any creation you want to create, the top of the pyramid is going to be none other than Rasulullah Sallallahu He's afdalul khalq, the best of the creation. So after Allah, you are the greatest. This is, uh, the poet says, After Allah, you are the greatest. I don't have to give a long lecture about your expositions. Just like a long time ago, years ago, I was reading, uh, preparing for one Sira talk, and there was this, um, subhanAllah, amazing book on Sira of Rasulullah. Hashia of Allah Mazurkani Rahmatullah. So he, he, the, uh, he, uh, he mentioned in there one story that Khalid bin Walid Khalid bin Walid was he a man of the sword or a man of the pen or a man of the tongue what do you say? man of the sword Sayfullah so he went in one sariya in one expedition uh, and then uh, the people he met they asked him Sif lana Rasulullah describe for us Rasulullah Hashidah Allah Zurqani Alright. He said, Siflana Rasulullah, describe for us Rasulullah. So he said, As far as a detailed exposition of his attributes, I don't have the ability to do so. I'm not a man of words. Uh, as far as brief, you want to hear a brief response about him? He says that Rasul Rasulullah. He said, the status of a messenger is always based upon who is he a messenger of. And all I can tell you is he is the messenger of Allah. So like for example, you have United Nations representatives. So you're representative of the island of San Paulo, population 150 or something. And then you have a, 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 right? <laughs> then you have a representative of a security council member representing... Russia is in big trouble nowadays, but Russia or China or, you know, US, UK. So, you know, in the United Nations, in the General Assembly, everyone has one vote, right? Then the Security Council comes in, will veto everything. But at least they have one, everyone supposedly has one vote. So the, everyone is just a messenger. But the power of the messenger is based upon what? Who is he a messenger of? Qadrul Rasuli bi Qadril Mursil wa huwa Rasulullah. The status of a messenger is based upon who is he a messenger of, and he is a messenger of Allah. Now, you know, he says, like, mic drop, rest my case. Khalid bin Walid, I think time to drop my mic too. <laughs> so, the thing is, uh, subhanAllah, um, this is the whole discussion about Nabi and Rasul. Kama uhayna ila Nuhin wa Nabiyina min ba'di. Why was Nuh mentioned? Because he was what? The first Rasul. 
That's why we talked about this. Then somebody will say, what about Adam alayhi salam? Then after Adam alayhi salam was? Sheith alayhi salam. After Sheith alayhi salam was? Idris alayhi salam. These are three? Anbiya. Then Nuh alayhi salam, when he came around, he was the first Rasul. Because in the beginning, Adam alayhi salam, Sheith alayhi salam, they were all Muahidun. And they had very simple life. You know what most of their teachings were? More taqweeni umur, not tashri'i. Like how to sew clothes, Idris alayhi salam. How to plant, right? How to live a life because you're new human beings on planet earth. So literally, seriously, it's very fascinating. You're going back a long time ago. You think about pollution, this, that. Imagine the world. No technology. You're talking pre-industrial revolution. There's no revolution of anything. No one, no human beings. Couple, couple families, that's about it. So the earth is so pristine and pure. But they're learning things. Like, وَعَلَّمَ آدَمَ الْأَسْمَاءَ كُلَّهَا Allah Ta'ala says that He taught Adam and Islam the names of things. Just like you... That was what He was taught. This is, this is called a tree, this is called this. Like a lot of the basic things that we have. Um, clothes. I mean, you have like random cotton growing in the field. You take the cotton fibers and then you make threads out of them and you loom them together to make cloth and you cut the cloth to make the clothes. Idris is the first one who, you know, and then <clears throat> so how to plant and have uh, uh, crops, this is what they were talking about. That's what their deen was. But the first actual sharia that came, sharia that comes when they were involved in haram and shirk, was Nuh He's the first. And another reason is that these people are rejecting the Qur'an. Who? The Quraysh and the Yehud and the time of Nabi Wasallam. So the first Nabi that those who rejected his teachings were destroyed by adab of Allah. The first Nabi or Rasul that that happened to was who? Nuh That's why kama uhayna ila nuhin. And other, other reasons are mentioned. But we'll stop here. Just as a recap, uh, we talked about different types of wahi upon Rasulullah Wasallam. And we also talked about this ayah that Imam Bukhari mentions in his book. What are the reasons he mentioned this ayah? May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq. Inshallah, the next session to look forward to is we will go into this hadith here, which is narrated by Aisha radiallahu ta'ala anha. If you want to look ahead, read up on this hadith to prepare for next class. Inshallah, it will help in being able to follow. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala give us tawfiq to make amal. Give us the true yaqeen in, in our in the revelation that Allah has sent upon Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wa akhir da'wana alhamdulillah rabbil alameen. Jazakumullah. Assalamu alaikum. Uh, we'll have some refreshments outside inshallah. Jazakumullah everybody for attending. And uh, also we're selling dates, as you know, Ramadan is coming up, so. Zakhlaq.